Uh, this weekend, man, this weekend I was renovating. Uh, I have an investment property, uh, and I, it was some things that happened at my investment property uh, that I had to fix. Uh, washer had been leaking, and it had kind of messed up the floor a little bit, and so we had to tear the floor up and uh, put down a new floor, right? And so through the through all of this this weekend. Um, I had to make several trips to the store. I had to go back and forth. We had to make a list. We had to do all of these things in order to repair this issue. And so as I was doing that this weekend, y'all know it was hot this weekend. Brother was tired uh, and everything. But as I began, as I was doing that, the Lord was just talking to me about different things and drawing a parallel between what was currently occurring with the repair of my house and personally my own life. And so uh, I'm going to kind of go through that story for you as, as we identified a need at my apartment, right? We identified the floor that needed to be replaced. And once I identified that it needed to re be replaced, that I needed materials to do that, then I had to find a place or the solution for that, which for me was a box store. In this case, uh, Lowe's and Home Depot. I went there and I got everything that I needed in order to repair that floor. They had the solution, right? And in order to acquire the solution that I had, uh, that they had, which is, was the wood, the nails, the, the glue, uh, all of those things that I, that I needed, they, in exchange for that solution, I had to give them money, right? I had to make an exchange to receive from uh, Lowe's or Home Depot what I needed, right? And after that, after I paid for it, Y'all know what happens after you pay for something. After I paid for it, right? After I got, I gave them the cash, after I swiped my Amex card, they gave me what we call a receipt. And that receipt, you know, was the indication of what I now owned. Why? Why did I own that? Because there was a payment made on my behalf by me. And now I'm the owner of the things that I needed to make the repair. So I took possession of those things. I took those things home with me and I went and made the repairs. But along the way, I got back to my apartment one time and I had left some of the things that I needed, that I had paid for. And, you know, I had to go back to the store. And, and this is when the Lord really started talking to me. He's like, Ralph, this is what I need you to know. And so that's the story. Let's get into it. Let's make this comparison. All right. So number one, let me get to my banners folder. All right. So tonight's name of tonight's message is I have the receipt. Go ahead and go ahead and type that. Say, I have the receipt. I have the receipt. And you'll know what that means in, in, in just a few moments, because we're going to be brief tonight. In just a few moments, you'll understand what it means to have the receipt, to be in control, to have something that's already been paid for, to have the deed to a thing. That's what I'm talking about. But the first thing you notice when I was telling that story, number one, I identified a need. I needed material, right? I needed something to rep to repair the floor. Why? Because something had been damaged. It had been broken. It was out of sorts, right? And the same thing in a parallel, if you think about that, in a, in a Christian sense, what did we need? We needed a release from sin. We needed to be rescued from our our 
are Adam's uh, and Eve's uh, action to go against the things that God had said. And so in doing so, we all have a need. All right, if we was in church, I'll tell your neighbor, tell you, tell your neighbor, we all have a need, right? And, and, and so the parallel was, as I was going to get materials because I needed that, the Lord is like, we, you all need release from sin. In Ephesians 2 and 12, it says this right. He says, remember, all right, he wants you to do this. Remember this, that you are at time separated, living apart from Christ. You were excluded from all part in him, utterly exchanged and outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation and strangers with no share in the sacred compacts of the messianic promise with no knowledge. You hear that? He says, remember, you had no knowledge of or right in God's agreements or his covenants, and you had no hope, no promise. You were in this world without God. And so as I was fixing my getting ready to fix my apartment, it was like, dude, I, this, I can't even repair this if I don't have the material. And, and in other words, in the spiritual sense, you can't repair what sin did without, without something else. You needed material. You needed a release. Why? Because remember when, at some point, we were in this world without hope. We were in this world with no promise. You were without God. So there is a need for a savior. There is a need for material. There is a need for a solution. And so for me, the solution was to go to the box store. For me, the solution was go to go to Home Depot. But for us as born again believers, our solution is Jesus Christ. Our solution it's Jesus Christ in 1 John 14 and 14, it says this. And besides, we ourselves have seen, we have deliberately and steadfastly contemplated and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior or the solution of the whole world. So our solution in life is Jesus Christ. In everything that you need, you have access to the solution. When I went in the Lowe's looking for the boards, looking for the nails, looking for the screws, right? When I went in and, and buying chains, I mean, a, a blade for my, my saw, all of that was creating the solution I needed to repair the problem that I had, which was the floor. Your problem was sin. And what Jesus came and did, he said, hey, I am your solution. I'm going to come. I am going to wrap my, I'm going to wrap the word up into flesh and it's going to become man. And we're going to call him Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the savior. He is the solution. And so once I found the solution, what had to happen then was I had to pay for it, right? There had to be a payment. There had to be an exchange of something, right? Though, so I got everything that I need in my basket. I am ready to go, but I can't leave the store yet because there had not been a payment. And same thing with sin. You can't be released from sin, even though Christ was a solution. There was not a payment yet. So in the store, I offered my money. In the store, I put up my Amex card. But in the spirit realm, Jesus offered his life. In John 3 and 16, it says this. This is how much God loved the world, that he gave his son, his only one son, and this is why, so that no one would be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and everlasting life. 
God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is what? Acquitted. Anyone who's trusting him is what? Acquitted. So you, you, you're you released of sin. You're acquitted. You're not found guilty, right? You're not, there's no need to be ashamed. There's no need to feel condemned. Why? Because you are acquitted. However, anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind son of God when introduced to him. So I heard somebody, I was listening to Pastor Dollar the other day, and he said something that was really good. He says, everything in your life happens by a choice. Whether that choice is to believe God or that choice is to be overridden by the enemy. Because you understand that the enemy just doesn't come into your life and cause hell. You give him permission to do that because God has given you authority over the enemy. So the only way that the enemy could cause hell in your life is that if you surrender, you choose to give him permission to come into your house and wreak havoc. That's your choice. But there's nothing happening in your life that's happening unless you make the choice for it to happen. Why? Salvation was a choice. Deliverance is a choice. Breakthrough is a choice. Dep being delivered from depression is a choice. Being uh, choosing not to fornicate is a choice, right? But the same way is not choosing to believe God. It says that you are picking up. It says anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. Through your acts of complacency, through your acts of silence, through your acts of just hoping it gets better, you are allowing the enemy, giving him permission through the lack of your ability to exercise your authority to simply say, here I am, okay, rasa ra, whatever happens, happen, right? This is just how it's supposed to be. I mean, I mean, what am I supposed to do about gas prices? What am I supposed to do about inflation? I mean, I'm just... I'm just going to make it and I'm just, I hope, I hope I have enough. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. All of your language is showing is indication that you not believe in God. You don't believe that a payment's been made, right? You know that there was a need. You know that the solution is Christ. You know that his crucifixion was the payment of it, but you're not believing in the fact that something's been paid for because your failure to do so is causing you to experience life in a way that you don't think it should be experienced. You don't have to be broke. You don't have to be sad. You don't have to have poor marriages. You don't have to have poor relationships. You don't have to be unhappy on your job. But, to read, but when Christ gives us directions on how not to be that way, we got to choose to do it the way he says. A lot of times we have 
negative consequences in our life due to a lack of discipline and follow through through the instructions in which God has given us. If God told you don't spend the money and you spent the money and now you're on the a verge of getting evicted and the church told, and you ask the church and the church tells you no, it ain't the church's fault that you got evicted. It's your fault you got evicted because you didn't do what God told you to do with the instructions in which he gave you. And now you want to blame everybody and think that God is unfair because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You didn't participate in your own rescue. All God can do is be a GPS for you. The same way when I get in my car and, and I put in a destination and it gives me a guiding path to get there, all the GPS can do is continue to reroute me based off my location to the place that I'm supposed to go. The GPS will not and cannot interrupt my physically driving the car to get me to the place. Same way with God. He is not, he will not, and he cannot interrupt the things in the earth to get us to where he wants us to go. If that was the case, there would be nobody that's unsaved in the earth. God would have interrupted all of our thoughts and caused us to love him. God would interrupted all of our speech and cause us to only speak things that are edifying and healthy to our brother. God would interrupted all of our actions and kept us from sinning. But because he has given the earth over to mankind, go to Genesis. He has given us authority, dominion, right? Multiply, replenish, subdue. He has given that over to mankind and we are now lords over the earth. And so God can't interrupt a system in which he has set up for it to operate. It was God's idea to make man lord of the earth, right? And so God can't now, because of his word being true, can't now come interfere with the system that he set up for things to happen. So, so many times we were praying and asking God, I want more of you. And God said, you got all of me, right? He's given you all of me. Why? Because he has already made the payment. But we got to choose to believe in the one of a kind son of God, right? So we identified the need, right? release from sin. We, we knew what the solution was. All right. I went to Home Depot, but in a spiritual sense, we got Jesus Christ. Then there was a payment, right? I had all my stuff in the basket. I rolled up to the uh, register, right? And I, I swiped my card and I made a payment, which Jesus Christ made a payment on our behalf, right? When he went, right? He made a payment. And so the payment was crucifixion. He died on the cross, right? He was struck, he was beaten, he was bruised, he was pierced, he was nailed to a cross. That was the payment for the release from our sin. But then number four, right? Number four, the receipt. When I made that payment in that natural store, they gave me a receipt. That receipt was indication that I was now the owner of everything that had been paid for. That receipt was my proof that no matter what happened, no matter who came in the store, no matter the police coming, no matter what authority showed up, that that belonged to me because I had a receipt. The receipt was indication of my ownership. Well, the empty grave was indication right? 
The empty grave was the indication, it's the receipt that everything that God said, the, from going down into the hell to coming back up with all power, the empty grave, when Mary went to that grave over in John 20, right? And Luke 24, when she went there and saw it empty, that was the receipt. That was the indication. That was the proof. That was the thing that was there to show them that, hey, it's a completed work. It has been paid for. And here is your proof that the same way I said that he would die, the same way I said that he would go into hell, the same way I said that he was re be resurrected. Now look at his grave. It is now empty. That's right, Cynthia. 13 seconds of praise. Hallelujah. The grave is our receipt, baby. Every time the enemy comes to you and say, you sick, you're like, no, 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 no. The grave is my receipt. Over in John, uh, John 20, I think, verses 18 or 20, somewhere in there, the Bible says that Jesus showed him his hands and the holes in them. Jesus said, look, baby, these are the receipts. This is the receipt right here, the holes in my feet, the, the scars from the, from the crown on my head. This is the receipt that it is finished, that it is paid for, and that you have no reason to suffer. You have no reason to experience any consequence from sin. Now you can go over to Deuteronomy and you can read about all the consequences of sin through verses 28, verses 1 through 14. But we're not going to do that tonight. But you can do that on your own time because here's the thing. You got to understand that a receipt, what's a receipt? A receipt is a written or printed statement acknowledging that something has been paid for or that goods have been received. When I paid, when I swipe my Amex card and I told that little thing to print my receipt. I had a receipt in hand. I had ten tangible acknowledgement that I am now the one who owns these things. When Jesus came up out of that grave, it, grave, it was a tangible acknowledgement that now I am the full ownership of an ownership of healing. I'm the, in full ownership of peace. I'm in full ownership of wealth. I'm in full ownership of abundance. I'm in full ownership of healthy relationships. I'm in full ownership of love, peace, right? Patience and long suffering and meekness and humility and temperance. No, I'm in full ownership because that's the receipt, right? That is my receipt. I don't have to suffer because I have a receipt. But see, <clears throat> let's go to Romans 4 and 8. Let's go to Romans 4 and 8. In Romans 4, it says this in the mirror translation. How blessed is the one who receives a receipt instead of an invoice for their sins. Hallelujah. How blessed empowered to prosper is the one who receives a receipt instead of an invoice. What does the receipt tell me to do? I received a receipt for my sins. That means that my sins have been paid for. That Jesus is my proof of, the empty tomb is my proof of purchase, right? That, that I owe no man nothing but to love him. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. But how blessed. A lot of us aren't blessed. A lot of us aren't experiencing the tangible outcomes 
of the blessing because we don't believe that we have a receipt. What we believe is that we have an invoice. What's an invoice? It's a written or printed statement. Oh, I copied the wrong definition. My bad. What's an invoice? An invoice is a, a, a document that itemizes and records a transaction between a buyer and a seller. It records the goods or services that were purchased on credit. The invoice usually specifies the terms of the deal and provides information on available methods of payment. The invoice is a document that really states that you owe me something for receiving what you got. And for so many of us, we don't receive a receipt. What we are received, have received from God, what we feel like God has provided us is an invoice. That's why you're trying to work that's why you're trying to be holy to earn God's righteousness. That's why you're trying to be holy to earn God, to earn the car or the house or whatever. That's why you're trying to tithe and you're trying to work in church and you're trying to be good and you're trying to do all of these things. It's not in a response of God's love for you. It's not in response that those works have already finished. What you are doing is trying to pay off God to operate on your behalf. But because you're doing it in the wrong way, you're operating under an invoice. You're trying to make a payment for goods and services instead of receiving through Christ the finished work that he has already done by the empty tomb. That is your receipt, baby. You don't owe nobody anything but to love them. You don't owe anybody anything but to love them. Our job as believer is to live by faith. By faith, I received that Jesus was compensation and payment for everything that I ever owed anybody. I received by faith that I have been made the righteousness of God. Therefore, I have confidence when I go into the throne. I believe by faith that everything that I need in this earth has already been supplied. I believe by faith that heaven always has a solution to any problem that I, I have. I believe by faith that God's favor is always going before me. I don't got to change my behavior to please man. All I got to do is please God and he'll call a man to favor me. You at your workplace trying to do things contrary to God to please your boss. When God is telling you to do X, Y, and Z, your boss is telling you to do A, B, and C, and it's not anything major, but it's contrary to the character in which God has told you to operate. But you are outside of character trying to please human beings when God is telling you that my favor is going to promote you, not what you do for man. The things that man have to offer you, they are limited and they are finite. Run over the Psalms 119 and 96. Everything human has its limits, right? But everything that God has you to do exceeds into eternity, into infinity. So a word from God to live a certain way, that's the way you live. That's the way you operate in your workplace. I don't care if everybody else arrives on time. If God told you to come 20 minutes early, you show up 20 minutes early. If God told you to stay 20 minutes late, you stay 20 minutes late. If everybody else turn in one page reports and God told you to do three, you do three. You always follow God. And in following God, that's what brings the promotion. And being excellent to God, that's what brings the promotion. It's not you out there trying to do things to make man happy. Now, when you follow God, it causes favor to come on your life. Therefore, man will be pleased with your output.
But when I go to work, I am not going to work to try to make a man happy. I am going to work every day. I got a new job. I'm the director of, of what I do now. And ever since I took the job, I've said, God, what are we going to accomplish today? How are we going to hire people? How are we going to restructure this? How is this going to happen, right? How are all these things going to operate? Why? Because as long as I do it the way God tells me to do it, then everything that I need to always be there. Why? Because he cares about your job. That's part of the receipt, baby. That's part of, part of it. In my marriage, being married to April, just today, just today, I was on my way home. The Lord was like, hey, I need you to go by the store and get April some 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 flowers and, and, and grab her a frappuccino, right? And I was like, all right, God, cool. So I went by and I got the flowers, right? And on my way home, I was like, well, and I went right by. I was like, well, I think she's eating well, right? So I was like, I'm not going to get the frappuccino. I'm just going to get the flowers, right? So I get home and April's like, wow, babe, thanks for the flowers. I really needed that. I actually was wanting flowers today. I was really wanting flowers and, and that was it. And then we went to work out and we was on our way back and I was like, hey, uh, Man, I was going to get you a Frappuccino today. And she just looked at me stunned. She said, I was sitting in my office today, hoping, won't, desiring a Frappuccino. I wanted to leave, but I couldn't. And I said, wow. I said, well, the Lord was thinking about you. But what happened was I inserted my own self into God's plans. I said, you know what, God? April's eating healthy. Now, the same unction that I got to buy the flowers was the same one that I got to buy the Frappuccino. But sometimes we think that we know better. Sometimes we think that we, we, we have an understanding that God doesn't know. And so I didn't do it. Now, later on, I did. I took her and I got her frappuccino and she was happy. But look how often, how easy it is to become, to hear God in one thing and then totally abandon the next thing that God told you to do. Go ahead and make this confession. Say, I do everything that God tells me to do when he tells me to do it, the way he tells me to do it. I do everything God tells me to do when he tells me to do it, the way he told me to do it. That's what I got to do because, listen, don't nobody know your spouse better than God. You out here trying to be a good spouse and you ain't asked God how to do it. You out here working in your own flesh to be a good spouse. That's why you tired of them because you're doing it out your own flesh. That's why you got so many issues at your job because you're working out your own flesh. That's why you in ministry and you burned out because you're doing it out of your own flesh. That's why you a parent, you prayed for these kids. It was your idea. You begged God for these kids. Now you woe out and you're tired and you can't stand them. And they just like their daddy and they all these other things. Why? Because you're doing it out your flesh. You are now looking at an invoice when God has given you the receipt. You have a grace to parent. You have a grace to be employed. You have a grace to be a good spouse. You have a grace to do well on your job. You have a grace to be a uh, to be a your brother's keeper. You have a grace to all of that. Part of the empty tomb is the grace you need to do everything God has called you to do. There's a grace for it all. There's a grace for it all. 
But if you don't recall, but see, let me let me keep moving. Let me keep moving. Some of y'all are like what I did on Saturday, right? On Saturday, I had made my last trip to the box store. I think I had ran out of screws or something. And they had cut a line, so we had to redo some plumbing. And so, y'all, I went to the store. I was in the store for about 90 minutes. I ain't joking. Just looking. If so most of y'all have, I mean, most of y'all aren't in construction or do anything. But anyway, I had to uh I had to re I had to run some lines uh from my sink to my washer because the guy had cut it with the saw. And so they were old lines. So the house was built in 1918. It was updated, but there was some old stuff in it. And so once they were cut, you couldn't just replace it. You had to go replace all of it to make it all new and up to code, right? So I'm in there. I'm looking for all these parts, y'all. I'm in there for a long time. I'm tired. Then my boy Aiden, let me tell y'all about Aiden. So I'm in the store looking for parts and Aiden is having a field day. He then climbed up into the, the uh, if y'all ever been in Lowe's or Home Depot, you know, they got these shelves and then you can go behind the shelf between the two aisles. And he done climbed up in there, y'all, and got stuck. I am frustrated. I am in here trying to find parts and my son is stuck in between the shelf. Daddy, daddy, come help me. Aiden, where you at? I don't see you. Daddy, I'm right here. Buddy, I don't see you. He stuck behind uh, some toilets stacked up because he done got stuck on a bar. And so you can only imagine the frustration that I had, right? And so people are talking and people trying to be nice, talking about he having a good time. And I'm thinking about how physically in that moment, my flesh, like I want to choke him out. That's what my, I want to get to him. But praise God for the Holy Spirit. I tell my kids all the time, y'all better thank God for the Holy Spirit. So anyway, by this time, I finally get everything. Aiden is doing better. He's dad's number one helper again. And we're, we're walking out. But when I left, uh, I was just a little, I was flustered. When I left uh, the store, I didn't take everything that I had paid for. And so I got all the way back to the apartment. I was there and I was going in and I was unpacking everything and I was rehooking up the plumbing. And I realized at that moment, I remember I left something at the store. And see, for a lot of us, right, we have not done number five. We have not taken possession, right, of the things that God has told us that we can have. See, for me, I left materials at Lowe's. For some of us, we have left the promises of God on the table. We have just left them in the earth. The earth is waiting on the sons of God to manifest. The earth is waiting. It's pregnant, right? It's already done, right? It's already paid for. It's not something. And so let me tell you about the boldness that I had. I sat there dirty and sweaty, sawdust all over me. But once I remembered once I remembered that I had left that at the store, I grabbed my what? What did I grab? What did y'all think I grabbed? I grabbed my receipt. I grabbed my receipt. I got back in my truck. 
I drove to Lowe's. And on my way to Lowe's, I was in full faith. I wasn't on my way to Lowe's thinking that they're going to have the materials that I was going to need. I wasn't on my way to Lowe's thinking that I was going to encounter any issues. I was on my way to Lowe's with full confidence that the thing that had been paid for, the thing that I had a receipt for, that I was going to go up in that store, I was going to show the receipt, and I was going to receive what was rightfully mine. And that's what I did. I got there. And the lady saw me, and she said, I've been waiting for you to come back because I knew you would come looking for it. That's what your promises are doing right now. They say, Chris, they say, Sid, they say, Trina, they say, Courtney, I've been waiting for you to come looking for me. Jesus already paid for it. I've just been waiting for you. The good marriage has been waiting for you. The abundance has been waiting for you. The healing has been waiting for you. The peace of mind has been waiting for you. Obedient children have been waiting for you. The job, the house, they're all waiting for you. But the problem is you have not remembered your receipt. You have not remembered what has been done on your behalf. You have not recalled what the word has said that you could have. You have not recalled that Jesus said, I will give you power to give wealth. You have not recalled that he said, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. You are not remembering that he has provided protection to you. You have not remembered that he has made a table in the presence of thine enemies. You have not remembered that he is a God that sends a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, that he calls rivers of living water in the desert. You have not remembered the receipts. Therefore, when situations arise in your life, you think that they have not been paid for, baby. $5 gas has already been paid for. $6 gas has already been paid for. Mortgage rates at 7, 8, 9, 10, 12%, they have already been paid for. That's right, Leslie. We have to dig that receipt out the stack. You got to get in that word and see what the word says about what belongs to you. You got to get in that word till you are so convinced that what God has said is bigger than the reality that you see with your own eyes. Why? Because it's been paid for. Go ahead and declare this. I take possession of all that God has purchased. I made a mistake there, but that's fine. I take possession of all that God has purchased. You got to remember what God told you you can have. You remember that scripture I read up there at the top? Ephesians 2.12, it says, remember that you were at a time separated. You got to remember that you are not separated from God anymore. You are co-joined with Christ. I, I'm not going to go to Second Colossians 3, 1 through 4 in the mirror because it's going to take our time all up. But you got to remember that you are co- Yes, I am. I am going to go look. Oh, let's go. Second Colossians. I didn't have it in my notes, but we're good. Second Colossians. 
uh, I said second Colossians, Lord, Colossians 3, 1. It says, you got to see yourself co-raised with Christ now, and ponder with persuasion the consequence of your co-inclusion with him. Relocate yourself mentally, engage in thoughts with throne room realities where you are co-seated with Christ in the executive authority of God's right hand. You got to understand this. I am a co-seated joint heir with Christ. You remember what I told you a few weeks ago? Go ahead and type this. If Jesus qualifies, so do I. Name something that Jesus doesn't qualify for. I'll wait. You can't. Jesus qualifies for everything. So I qualify for everything. Jesus qualifies. Listen, he paid for it all. You don't got to be ashamed. Jesus took shame on the cross. You don't got to be depressed. He took depression on the cross. You don't got to be addicted. He took care of, of addictions on the cross. That's paid for. You don't got to feel lonely. Loneliness was paid for on the cross. Every sin that you can imagine was paid for on the cross. It is all paid for. You don't got to be any of it. Experiencing those things are things we do by choice because we fail to remember that we have the receipt. We fail to remember that it's already paid for. We fail to remember that Jesus paid it all. Because think about it. Think about the boldness you have. If you ever, you at Walmart or you had your groceries delivered. I have my groceries delivered sometimes. And one day they forgot something. I got on that phone and I said, hey, listen, I brought such and such, such and such and such and such. I didn't get those items. They said, yes, sir, Mr. Marlowe. What do you want us to do? Do you want us to re-deliver them or do you want a refund? Now I was like, re-deliver me my stuff because getting the money back ain't going to help me cook this chicken. I need my chicken, right? And so there's a boldness that you have when you know that something has been paid for, right? Do you enter into God? and faith and boldness when you're praying like that? Because that's a good parallel for you to do a litmus test of what you what you are believing for. The same boldness that you have when you are returned, when you are forgotten the item that you paid for, all you do is bring your receipt into the store and you claim what is rightfully yours. The word of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is like our warranty. It's like our guarantee. It's like, hey, look, I'm going to help you remember everything that you were supposed to have. Why? Because you already had it before. You do understand that when God was creating the earth, we was with God and everything that God is asking us to do is only a replica replication of something that we've already done. The fact that God is asking you to be a CEO, you've already been the CEO. Now you're just trying to convince your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination to replicate what your spirit has already seen and done before. 
But so many times we allow our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and our imagination to be impacted by what we see with our physical eyes, what we hear with our ears, what we say out of our mouth, right? What we observe in the economy, what we observe on the workplace, what what society tells us that we get degree that we got to have to have a certain type of jobs. We allow all of that input. We allow all of those facts to drown out the truth that we have already done that. The truth is you're already victorious. The truth is that you are already a winner. That's the truth. Now you gotta make a decision. Will you believe the facts that just because everybody else in your family got divorced, that that's gonna be your the fact for your life? Or are you gonna believe the truth, what the word says about your marriage? Are you gonna believe the fact that because you are a black man or a black woman or a white man or a white woman, because cancer affects this population more or, or poverty affects this population more or diabetes expect, uh, impacts this population more. Are you going to believe those facts? Are you going to believe the truth that God has, you got a receipt for healing? You got a receipt for healing. Pastor Sean on Sunday, Pastor Sean doing uh, Mindset Monday, Pastor Sean uh, doing a pop-up. She's been teaching prayer last night, that's what it was, has been telling us that we are the healed of the Lord. Right? You got a receipt for healing of all manners. It, if you was abused when you're growing up, there's a receipt for healing still. It, 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 if your parents said words that caused you to feel defeated and less than, there's a receipt for healing for that. If you've been hurt uh, in a relationship before, right? And it's hard for you to move on because you every time you enter the new relationship, you're thinking about the old relationship. You're putting up walls and you're thinking that you're protecting yourself. But in the, in the, in the, in the, in the form of protecting yourself, that wall is also keeping out the very person God wants to place in your life. There's healing for that. But you have to want to be healed. You have to remember the same way the prodigal son asked for all his inheritance and he left. That's right, done. I got receipts and he left. He And he got out there and was living an old wretched life. And then he got to the point where he was just like, man, uh, even the father, the slaves in my father's house live better than this. He remembered. And Matthew 13 and 15 says it like this. Yes, the minds of these people are now closed. They have ears, but they don't listen. They have eyes, but they refuse to see. If their minds were not closed, if their minds were not closed, they may see with their eyes. They may hear with their ears. They may understand with their minds. Then they may turn back to me and be what? What does the word say? And be what? Be healed. And be healed. The fact that you are not delivered ain't God's fault. The fact that you broke ain't God's fault. The fact that your marriage looks the way it looks ain't God's fault. The fact that you on the same job that you were 20 years ago when you know you want a different job ain't God's fault. God has already paid for it. You got to go take possession. You got to remember the same way I went back to Lowe's and I took what belonged to me. You got to take 
what belongs to you. And take is a verb. I had to do work. See, I, I could have just sat there in that house and said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. I just, I get it another day, you know, or, you know, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like reading my word. I don't, I don't feel like fasting. I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like turning off the TV. I don't feel like praying. They have eyes, but they refuse to see if their minds were not closed. Every time you make a decision based on how you feel and not based off the spirit, you're exhibiting a closed mind. Your, your spiritual mind does not work based on your feelings. Your spiritual mind works based off a word from God because that word of God is what establishes faith. Faith starts where the will of God is known. So if I don't have a word from God, then I cannot exercise faith. If I can't exercise faith, then I cannot receive from God. And so... Just because being around boo make you feel good. But if you don't got a word about he the one, then you need to leave him alone. Why waste your time? Why waste your time? <coughs> Why waste your time applying for a job you know the Lord said wasn't yours? Once again, that's closed-mindedness. When we do things that are contrary to what God told us that we can have. It is our mind's way of trying to do something to cause us not to feel like a failure. You ain't just trying to sabotage yourself. You're trying to do what your mind is trying to prevent you from experiencing disaster. Why? Because your mind is always trying to protect you. Your mind is always trying to put you in a situation where you feel good. That's why you make the poor decisions that you make. That's why you exhibit the stupidity that you, you exhibit. It's because your mind is trying to set you up for what it feels like will cause you to be successful. God told you to make $75,000 a year. You don't believe in your heart that you can make $75,000 a year. So you out here applying for jobs that only pay $50,000 a year. Why? Because that's what's in your mind. That's what you have remembered. That's what is true, that that's what you feel like you deserve. Right, because your spirit man has not had the opportunity to bring revelation because your closed-mindedness has caused you not to see. Your closed-mindedness has closed, caused you not to hear, but lest at any time you see you hear, then you could be converted and you could be healed and you could take receipt of what has already been paid for. But your mind is always trying to position you to, to, do, what's, to do what's easy. Your mind is always taking the path of least resistance. Go do all the studies you want to do. Science will tell you that your mind is always doing what is easiest for it because it's always trying to preserve energy. And so unless you begin to rewire yourself, unless you begin to immediately obey God, if you give your mind time, it will always talk you out of what God has already paid for you to have. And so I, so in there, remembering that I had forgot those things at Lowe's, I began to think about how I didn't feel like going, right? I'm sweaty. Y'all know in Arkansas, it was hot on Saturday. I'm hot. I'm dusty. I got sawdust on me. I got this kid with me who I don't know how he going to show up when we go back to Lowe's. I got all of these factors to consider when I have remembered that I left something that belonged to me. 
So yeah, you may receive a no on the job application. You may receive a no on the mortgage application. You may receive a no from the person that you were, you thought was it. You may receive a no when, when you go in to, uh, to interview for the next thing. But baby, those are just distractions. Why? Because those distractions will get you, are trying to get you to the point where you can't remember. See, when I left Lowe's, I left that sack because I got distracted. I left that sack because I got distracted. I got excited about grabbing the things that I, I had, right? And then I got distracted. I start thinking about other things. Tell your neighbors, tell yourself, so I'm going to stay focused on what God told me to do. I'm going to, God has my undivided attention. I'm going to stay focused on the thing that God called me to do. He has my undivided attention. So sometimes you just got to take your phones and you got to take them to the other room and so that you can just sit down in your word. Sometimes you just got to take take your phone. Not, don't read your Bible on anything electronic. Just pull out that paper Bible and you just read that so you can do it without instructions. Why? So that you can remember all the receipts. Sometimes you just got to put on Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean and put it on repeat until what they are saying has become your livelihood. To what they are saying becomes second nature to you. To the word has become your character and everything that you see in the word you now see in your life. Sometimes you just got to make choices to make living what God says do the easy thing and sinning the hard thing. You, we're a creature of habits, right? And as creatures of habits, this is what happened. We have made living for God difficult. And we made live, uh, the habit of sin easy. What do you mean by that? You, you do things in your life that tend to lend itself to making it more prevalent, more available to sin than you do to be obedient to God. Give me an example, Ralph. I'm so glad you asked, right? You know that the Lord told you to, to pray at 7 o'clock a.m. or p.m. But at 6.55, you TikTok it, right? And before you realize it, it's 7.25 and you TikTok it still. And then you're like, oh, well... I'll pray real quick and be done with it. You just sin. God actually pray at what time? Seven. See, well, sometimes we think it don't take all that. That's too much. If God actually pray at seven, he actually prayed at seven for a reason. Pray at seven. But what we do, we don't remove the distractions that prevent us from obeying God. If you know your cell phone prevents you from obeying God, remove your cell phone. If you know that that boy removes, uh, prevents you from operating in purity, remove the boy, right? Block his number. Block him on social media. Block her on social media. If you know cake causes you to be obese, remove cake. When you go to Walmart, don't buy cake. Don't go down a cake aisle. Start ordering food uh, from, from and having them delivered if you need to. See, sometimes we think it doesn't take all that, but it does take all that to live the life that God has called us to live. You got to make sin difficult. And we ain't, I'm not even talking about the wild, crazy stuff. I'm just talking about the simple stuff. I mean, you overeating. You refusing to exercise. Like, make exercise easy, right? When you get up in the morning, roll out of bed, go straight to your closet, put on some shoes, put on some clothes, and do 10 jumping jacks. Do something. 
right? But what we have a tendency to do as human beings is to invite distractions that cause us to miss out on the very thing that God wants to give us. Once again, it's not God's fault that I'm not experiencing his best. If I'm not experiencing God, the John 10 and 10 in life, it's because I have made a decision to not employ the receipts that I have to, to own what God told me I can own. But that's all done for me. You know, I choose. I choose to do what 2 Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4 tells me. All right, as we wrap up. Yeah, Trina, distractions are no longer invited. And really, you got to look at your own life and say, okay, God, help me to see the things that are distracting me from living the life that God has called me to live. You have called me to live. Help me to understand the habits that I've created. They're pulling me away from uh, reflecting your complete glory in your life. Help me, Father. Right, because you got to understand that even if you were doing it once, if you're not continually doing it, it caused an issue. I was at Fuji's at a hibachi place eating the other day and I went to pay for my meal and the Lord said, pay for his meal. And I'm like, who God? And, and I had just spent over $2,000 this past weekend renovating his house. And I'm like, God, uh, you want to pay for his food? And it was funny because April heard the same thing. We didn't tell each other. And so I get out my car and I look at the little dude and I said, hey, I got that. Don't worry about it. Because God was like, so you really not going to listen to me? I said, no, God, I really am. I said, my bad. My bad for, for looking, for closing my mind and looking at the money I had spent, right? Because it ain't my money anyway. I only had $2,000 to spend because you gave it to me. So if you want me to pay for somebody's $70 meal, God, then who am I to tell you not to tell you that I can't do something with your money, right? That's your money, God. So I did it and it was real cool because it was just real cool. Some things didn't line up with some of our friends to eat and things like that. And so we ended up going somewhere else. But when we got there and I paid for the meal, the guy was like, hey, I appreciate that. He said, I was without hope. He says, this gives me hope. And I told him, I said, hey, God, hey, dude, I'm not sure what's going on with you, but this is what I could tell you. God thinks about you often. And you're on his mind. And he began to tell us stories and, and, and things like that. And he was like, man, I appreciate this. The world needs more people like you. And that's what I want to ask you as we wrap up tonight. Can God depend on you to be his hand in the earth? Can God depend on you not to get distracted with, with thinking it's your money, to not get distracted with thinking it's your time, to not get distracted with thinking it's your body, to not get distracted to think that it's your mouth when he wants you to evangelize, when he wants you to pray? Can you, can you get to the point that God can depend on you to lay hands on the sick and you not make excuses? Can you get to the point where you'll lay hands on your own self first and not make us get distracted by the fact your mama died of cancer? It doesn't matter if mama a diet of cancer, baby. Cancer doesn't have to be the thing that takes you. Why? Because you got authority. Can God depend on you? Because once we understand that we have the receipt, once we understand that all of it has been paid for, we walk in a boldness to possess everything God has for us to possess. We walk in a boldness to possess everything that God has us to possess. All right. 
Hey, said, run through those seven things real quick. Uh, I was giving you seven things, but we're running short on time. At the very, did I put them in there? I may not have. I didn't put them in there, so we're straight. Um, I was, you go read 2 Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. That's what I want you to do. You got to see yourself co-raised with Christ. That's how you understand. You got to think about the consequences of our co-inclusion with Christ. You got to relocate yourself daily back to the image God has for you and not the image you made for yourself. And that, I, I have to work on that. Uh, and I, I love my tribe. They help me. I have to relocate myself daily, right, to back to the image God has for me and not the image I have for myself. I got to allow, per, I permeate my soul with throne room realities. I'm just telling you the steps that's in Second Colossians. I got to rid my mind of distractions by focusing only on kingdom realities. I got to rid my mind of distractions by focusing only on kingdom realities. It's number six, it says, in the world, but not of the world. I know that I live in this world, but I got to understand that I'm not of this world and I'm not subject to the economy and the realities of this world. That's good. It's on the screen now. I may be in this world, but I'm not of this world and I am not subject to the economy and the realities of this world. That includes sicknesses, finances, generational curses, addictions, and so forth. I am in this world, but I am not of this world. I am an ambassador of heaven in which in my country, in my in my nation of heaven, there is perfection. There is utopia. There is no sickness. There is no poverty. There is no brokenness. There is no heartbreak. It is perfect. And so because I am an ambassador of heaven, I have a right to live on earth the same way that I would live if I was in heaven. And that's the receipt that Christ has paid for on our behalf, right? That's the receipt that we got to take and that we got to remember is that the same life we see in heaven, we can have it right here on earth. I don't got to wait till I die to be whole. I don't got to wait till I die to have peace. I don't got to wait till I die to be full and to be whole. I can have it all right now because Christ has sent the Holy Spirit so that he could cause the love of God to be shed abroad in our heart so that we he may be able to give to us everything that we can need, right? Everything that we can need. Everything that we can need. All right. So, er, we are done. I hope you were blessed by the word. I hope you were blessed by the word. Let's go over these announcements real quick. I encourage you guys, go read 2 Colossians 3, 1 through 4, out of the message. All right, out of the message. Don't get distracted. All right, so let's go to our uh, banners. All right, you guys know on Friday, all right, on Friday we have prayer at 6.30 a.m., Champion Circle Prayer. I invite you to come and join us at Champion Circle Prayer at 6.30 a.m. on Friday. On Sunday, join Pastor Chris at 9 a.m. in Elder Valley for worship. I love Pastor Chris and Elder Valley. Uh, they're they're good friends of mine. Uh, but I love the how she has the ability to usher in the presence of God. Uh, and, and if you're not careful and, and you just allow yourself to sink into worship, you can get a lot, you can get healing of all kinds just by worshiping God. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. You should worship at home. Why? Because through worship, you can have freedom. 
What you worship is TV. What you worship is social media. What you worship is, is filling, fulfilling your flesh. What you worship is food. And all those things cause you just to have a worse life, right? But when you begin to worship the true and living God, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is breakthrough, there is deliverance, all right? Join us 9.30 Sunday after she gets done with worship uh, and Elder Valley gets off the keys. Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean will be teaching an amazing word uh, at 9.30 Central Standard Time, all right? Sunday celebration. Then on Monday, join Pastor Sean for uh, for uh I'm about to say Mindset Monday. Strategies for Success at 12 noon. On Tuesday night, join us for prayer at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then Wednesday at 7, make sure that you are getting your teams plugged in for a night. And then uh, Victory Zone is on demand. Please go visit Victory Zone. We're doing a series, uh, Spies of the Bible. Uh, I think Miss Latonya uh, just completed one. Uh, lesson seven this week. And then make sure your kids, y'all did a decent job. I looked at the analytics. Y'all did a decent job making sure your kids got plugged into the Mother's Day lesson. So I'm going to see them analytics on Father's Day. So this Father's Day lesson is coming up this weekend. I just want to make sure y'all have that same energy for us daddies as y'all did for mamas, because uh, the mamas were taken care of. But also, uh, and that's all jokes, but just make sure your kid gets plugged into the word. Uh, and then lastly, um, FOC, we have 100% givers. Uh, and so they get, we give through Givelify, give Pushpay, Tavi, Text to Give. And then for our international partners and international partners only, we utilize PayPal and you can give at FOC Church NWA at gmail.com. All right. And so those are all the ways to give. And, and I, I just encourage you, and I just, I'll pray for you real quick. I pray, Father, that we see. The, we are complete in Christ. I thank you that we have a full revelation of our identity in you. I thank you that our eyes are open and our ears are open to both see and to hear what you have to say about us. I thank you that the image in which we see ourselves each day is the image in which you have called us to be in this earth. I thank you that all distractions are removed. I thank you that you are highlight distractions in our life and that we'll begin to shed away and, the, and remove th anything that's contrary to your will for us. I thank you that because we choose to put you first place in our lives, because we choose to seek your face, that you will add everything that we need, Father, so that we may live the life that you have called us to live. I thank you that there is no lack in any area of anyone's life that's listening to this broadcast. I thank you that we are full, filled to the full, to the overflow. And I thank you that we are not distracted, but we are understanding and we are claiming every good and perfect promise that you have already provided for our half on our behalf. We take possession tonight in Jesus name. Amen. All right. You guys be blessed. I love you. Have an amazing night.